salutations to everybody out there in podcast land. This is the Judo Chop Suey Podcast, and I'm your host, Judo Dave Roman, looking to talk about all things related to Judo and some things not related to Judo. Believe it or not, I actually got a lot to cover today, a lot that I want to talk about. You would think that without an IJF World Tour going on, without... Uh, most people not in their clubs training that that I'd be scraping the bar- uh, the the barrel of the bottle the bottom of the barrel uh, for content but uh, no sir no ma'am I've got a lot to cover the world of judo never stops so if they don't stop I'm not gonna stop so on this episode of the judo chop suey podcast I'm gonna talk about uh, Marius Wieser released a a, uh, a letter or a statement on the COVID situation and how that's going or how that has been impacting the world tour. We all know how it's been ha- impacting it. But this is one of the few um, really messages that I've seen anyway where he's reached out to the judo community. Uh, so I'm going to be covering that. I'm also going to be covering my thoughts on the... Um, the Kodokan has an official YouTube channel now. I, now, I can't remember if I've mentioned it before. I'm pretty sure I did in an episode over the past three episodes or so. But um, I know I didn't really deep dive into my opinions on the channel and, and what I think of the techniques that they've been releasing. It's really interesting, their choices. So I'm going to, a little bit later on in the episode, I'm going to cover some of my thoughts on the channel and, and what they're doing. Uh, they're all positive, by the way. And uh, I also came across this really interesting article I wanted to share with all of you. Um, it's talking about the best judoka for each Olympic Games. And there's uh, some other tidbits and and little other uh, judo-related nuggets that I want to share with you guys. I don't want to spoil it right now, but I will uh, get to it a little bit later in the episode. But first, I really want to cover uh, Marius Wieser's uh, statement on the COVID situation. Now, this uh, this was released on June 8th, and it, it is, uh, at the moment, at the time I'm recording this segment, it's June 12th. So this was about uh, a couple of days ago. You guys won't even get this episode till probably about the 16th or the 17th of this month. Um, so here it goes. Today, the IGF president, uh, Marius Wieser, wrote to all the national federations to give the last update concerning the COVID-19 crisis and the restart of the World Judo Tour. Dear International Judo family, we hope you are well and staying positive during this difficult time. Um, I'm trying, sir. We have been closely monitoring the health situation and various governmental guidelines all around the world while countries are combating the spread of COVID-19. We are pleased to see some countries are on their way to reopen their borders and hopefully soon this will be applied to regions and finally to a global level. Currently, the International Judo Federation is in discussions with organizing committees for rescheduling the World Judo Tour events. We plan to reschedule suspended events where possible according to geographical accessibility, equality, promoting fair participation chances for all of those taking part in the Olympic Games qualification. Our objective is to restart the World Judo Tour as soon as it becomes safe and fair to do so. The current IJF plan is to recommence the tour from September. However, the COVID factors are out of our control. We do hope that by then the health crisis will not affect travel and work conditions any longer. We look forward to seeing you all again soon, and we wish you all uh, to stay safe and very healthy or healthy. Uh, Marius Elvizer, 
IGF president. Now, at the time of me recording this, and I don't, I can't speak for other countries, and I know the U, the, the United States doesn't really factor in terms of their importance on the world tour. But let me say this: this thing ain't going away, folks. Uh, Florida, uh, where I live, had this uh, today was the single highest uh, number of cases uh, recorded, um, like I just said, in a single day. They have not had um, positive uh, cases or cases confirmed to this amount in in since this entire pandemic started. And a lot of the um, and uh, a lot of the speculation here is is coming from Memorial Day weekend and the social justice protests that have been going on in this country. For those of you outside of this country that don't pay attention to news in the United States, I know this has become a, it's become a global thing, uh, but this is largely a United States issue. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I am just commenting on that simply because there's going to be a significant spike in COVID infections uh, over the next several weeks because of Memorial Day and because of the protests. So, uh, buckle up, folks, especially in the United States, because it's not going away and it's not really getting better. All of the numbers across the board, um, across all states, seem to be going up. Now, there are pockets in the country that are going down, but but as a whole, it's going up. And I don't know if that's a trend happening around the world. I know all countries don't have cases going up, but I, I don't know if the UK, for example, if they have an issue with, with covid quite like ours. I don't think so. I don't know what's happening in Italy. I don't know what's happening in Japan. I don't know what's happening in, in, in many other places. I just know in the United States, um, it's increasing. We've just got a lot of people um, and a lot of people that like to go outside and do things, myself included, by the way, though I do socially distance myself. And as I mentioned in my last episode, I am going on vacation. I've got a little little beach spot that I go to where we're I should pretty much be away from everybody. But the point remains is that this thing is not going away. I don't know if other countries are going to ease restrictions. And like I said before, while the United States does not really factor all that much on the Judo World Tour, um, it would be unfair to some of our athletes to not have the opportunity to travel from the United States to some of these other countries because of travel restrictions in face that would in place that would not be fair to us. Not that again, not that we matter that much, but it's still not fair. Should should Angelica Delgado you know lose points on the world tour because uh, of travel restrictions? Something that is not. Uh, within her control at all. I mean, I, I don't think so. And here's another thing, just just from a local and, and personal level. You know, I've got a, a training partner. Uh, I, I haven't trained with him since, since the shutdown happened in, in mid-March, but um, I just found out that his wife works with somebody who was just recently diagnosed uh, with having uh, COVID-19. And, you know, here's the thing. It's like, this is a guy that I trust, and uh, I mean, he, great guy, great, great family, and everything. And and he's somebody that, if he if he called me up and said, "Hey, why don't we go uh, go on the mats and, and train a bit?" I would train. I would train with him right now. Uh, or, or well, I'm, I mean, train if once I know that he's passed a COVID nineteen test, obviously. But you know, this guy isn't like some of the other filthy animals that are in in my <laughs> 
club. I mean, it, this this guy this guy is well kept. Uh, you know, socially distances. I mean, he he does take care of himself and his wife. They are all very conscious of this, and even he well. They don't. Ha- His wife did not end up getting it. But my point is, is that even with the people that I trust, they can be exposed very easily. And right now, there just isn't enough answers. Now, for me, um, on the on Tuesday, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be seeing a doctor. I got a doctor's appointment. I'm going to be getting a test for antibodies because I need to know. I need to know if I had COVID. I'm almost certain that I did when I went to New York City back in December. I've said that before. But I need to know if I did have it because if my blood test shows that I do have the COVID-19 antibodies in my system, I feel like I can move on with my life. But let me tell you, if I get tested and I find out a few days later that I, I didn't and I don't have those antibodies, golly, I hate to say it, but I think I'm done for 2020 um, training in a club unless some some change in information happens that that makes me a little bit more comfortable about going back to the club. I I just may be done until I because here's the thing. I've been sitting here waiting and waiting and waiting for like kind of like the other, you know, that phrase, the other shoe to drop. I've been waiting for that uh, for the other shoe to drop when it comes to covid. And it's not happening. We're not getting more information. We're not learning anything new. There doesn't seem to be a a, a, uh, a a vaccine on the horizon. There isn't other medications. Like I'm, I'm waiting for that one news report to say, you know what? Everything is going to be good. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, but I'm not seeing that. And here's the other thing too. And I'm not getting political here. I, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm not. But I got to wonder, with all the cases spiking across the country in the United States, if, if we don't shut down again, then why did we shut down in the first place? And all of our leaders from, from the local level to the state level and all the way up to the federal level, they have some explaining to do if we don't shut down if the spikes go up. Or I mean to say if the COVID-19 cases start going up again. Because this thing has ruined millions of lives financially. Uh, thankfully, my 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 me my wife had to shut down her salon, but but you know we we made some other plans to generate income, and and that second business has done remarkably remarkably well. But not everybody is in that situation, and not everybody is is as fortunate. There's a lot of people that that work in the service industry that that are have lost their jobs. They're losing their homes. Uh, they're losing their their ability to provide for themselves and for their families, and that's such a shame. And look, I mean, if we don't shut down again, why do we shut down in the first place? That's my feeling on it. I'm not that's that's about as far as I'm going to go. Um, because I, I'm not a political type of person. I don't have an axe to grind with anybody uh, that are decision makers. I would just question why do we shut down if you're not going to shut down again, especially if the cases are going up. So going back to judo, going back to Brazilian jiu-jitsu, if I have the antibodies, uh, I will feel far more comfortable uh, going back to the club and, and, and resuming training. Um, and, and they are my club is following their uh, stated guidelines, at least I hope. 
So I kind of feel like if if it if tests show that I had uh, COVID nineteen and I survived it, then I can move forward with my life. And I know there there'll be some naysayers out there saying that I shouldn't and. You know, that I should still, I mean, I will continue to socially distance, but, you know, there's some naysayers out there that say that, you know, you shouldn't be training and this and that. I, you know, for, for me, I'll, I would feel comfortable making that decision to go back and train knowing that I had it. But if I didn't have it, I, I think I'm going to be done until some, something really uh, significant happens uh, with this story. And, and I just don't see things going that direction. All right, so that's enough of that. I want to move on to talking about the Kodokan's YouTube channel. Have you guys seen it yet? I love it. I I think it's great. So what they have been doing, it seems about once a week or so, or, 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 or in some cases, you know, twice a week. They have been releasing videos, and I I like how they're doing that. There, and I find it interesting the order. Of, of techniques that they have decided to show um, and demonstrate from an official capacity, from the official Kodokan. This is what they're going to to demonstrate. And it's great because the videos are, are you know, 1080p. They're updated. And they get right to the point. And what I mean by that is, is there's no intro. Hey, guys, this is the Kodokan channel. Today, I'm going to show Obitori Gaishi. No, they just get right to it. And I and I like that when it comes to watching judo techniques. I don't I don't like intros in my videos. Just get to the technique. Or I like seeing the technique demonstrated first. And then if you're going to instruct it, then then instruct the technique. But I, I can't stand it when I, I know a lot of people do this and they mean well. But they, they have this long intro of talking about what they're going to do and, and they, they go through the Uchikomi and stuff. But I, right at the beginning, I want to see the actual technique of a video uh, uh, demonstrating judo techniques and then go into the explanation. So the Kodokan doesn't even bother to explain it at all. They just demonstrate the techniques and I really like that a lot. So in regards to the order of techniques, uh, as of this recording, it, they, it's as follows. Uh, Sayanagi was first, then Ippon Sayanagi, and then Sayoi Otoshi. And I find this really interesting because over the years, it's been a, a minor pet peeve of mine when people call Ippon Sayanagi Sayanagi and people call uh, Sayoi Itoshi, o, Otoshi Drop Sayanagi. There really isn't a Drop Sayanagi when most people demonstrate what they call drop seonagi it's really seoyotoshi there are there are drop seonagis but there is a distinction there and i think that distinction is lost on many people that teach judo and i'm sure people aren't happy uh with me saying that but it's true dropping to your knees and throwing somebody uh with a morote seonagi grip or ipon seonagi grip does not make it drop seonagi all right, so continuing on with the list, they then they went Tayotoshi Katagaruma with a leg grab, uh, Sukui Nagi also with a leg grab, Obi Otoshi with a leg grab as well, Uki Otoshi, Sumi Otoshi, Yama Arashi, which is one of those throws that nobody can seem to agree on, Obitori Gaeshi, which includes a leg grab, and everybody's favorite, we all love this in the United States, Murotegari which is double leg takedown, according to some. 
So, yeah, that's what they've released so far as of the recording of this segment. Now, I don't know who the Tory is in the video, but he's uh, clearly at least a, a Rokudan, and his judo is excellent. It's it's at a level that I know I'll never get at. I, I wish I knew who he was. I, I didn't. They didn't really say who his name is, but... I think there's a lot of people out there, if they see him, who've been to the Kodokan many times, they know exactly who he is. Uh, but his demonstrations are are excellent, and some of the techniques are a little bit different than what I would have expected, uh, in particular with, with Tayotoshi. Now, in the video for Tayotoshi, what, what really stuck out to me was there was not an exaggerated leg bend uh, with the with the Tayotoshi that was demonstrated, and I thought the use of the lapel hand was really interesting to me. And it's really hard for me to describe it. It's kind of like this this overarching use of the hand. And I, I like it a lot. And, you know, I, as I've said uh, o- over past episodes, I've been, you know, Tayatoshi has been one of those throws that I've been trying to master uh, the basics of. And it, 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 there were some things in this Tayatoshi that it it's pretty close to or or my Tayatoshi Toshi is pretty close to what this fellow does uh but after watching this video there are some minor corrections that I like to make in in and how I demonstrate it uh that I took away from the video now another throw that really stuck out to me was was uh, his version of Sumiyotoshi basically I can't do Sumiyotoshi I I've done you know, like in Rondori, for example, I've done what would be technically uh, Sumi Otoshi in the sense of how it's how you see it done competitively. But in terms of demonstrating it, unless I had a really compliant uke, I I don't really understand uh, Sumi Otoshi in the way that I would like to. Um, that that causes the kind of throw that I see demonstrated in this video, and I know uke is not jumping here. It's a it's a legitimate throw. I know it can be done this way. I know there's people out there that say with Sumiyotoshi demonstrated in in some of the videos over the years that uke is just jumping for their tori. I don't buy that at all. I think that's a bad analysis. And you know, and another throw that I thought was really interesting that they got out of the way early was Yama Arashi. Now, I know I'm going to catch holy hell for this, but I don't even know if Yama Arashi is a real throw. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's a real throw, obviously, but to me, it just largely looks like, and I know I'm going to get flack for this, it largely looks like a same-sided grip uh, Horai Goshi. And look, I know it's not a same-sided grip Horai Goshi, but the thing is, this throw is like the platypus of, of of judo. It's like, you know, what's a platypus? Is it a duck? Is it an otter? Is it a beaver? No, it's all three. Well, that's what that's <laughs> what Yama Arashi is to me. It's all three. It looks like a mix of Harai Goshi without much use of the hip, Ashiguruma without uh, much use of the leg, and uh, Sudikomi Goshi on the same side. That's That's kind of what Yama Arashi looks to me or looks like to me. So yeah, so then there's that. There's uh, Obitori Gaeshi, which is a throw that I was formally taught at JudoCon last year by uh, about by Steve Scott, and and this is a very nice throw. It's demonstrated exactly the way that I was taught it, and uh, it's a it's a nice throw to do. I'm not sure if it's a throw that I could really uh, pull off in Rondori yet, but um, I I loved the demonstration of that. And then of course you know, Morote Gari, which 
was the traditional version of Moro Tegari. And, the, you know, the interesting thing here is the differences of uh, Moro Tegari versus a, a wrestler's double leg takedown. Because I, I've been taught both, and because of my jiu-jitsu club, a lot of the, the warm-ups that we do involve practicing the, the shot for a double leg takedown. And I, I, I must say, for, for somebody that never wrestled, I've gotten pretty good at that shot. I mean, for for an older guy like myself, but I, I have I have pretty decent technique. I can really get in there. Uh, my jujitsu coach thinks that I was a. He, he says I look like a, a like a wrestler out there, which is um, which which means I must be doing something right. But I prefer in a gi doing Morotegari in the way that it is demonstrated in the Kodokan videos because it, it makes sense with the way that I do judo a little bit more upright and things like that and how I use my hands and, and movement and such. I think that version of a, of a two-handed reap uh, worked better for me. And for the record, once again, I still maintain that, that judo at the highest levels is better uh, without the leg grab techniques. But in my opinion, there's absolutely no reason to ban leg grabs at a national level tournament or and below. There's no reason for that. So yeah, so that, that's about it for all the videos that they've uh, the Kodokan channel has released so far. Uh, if you haven't seen them, go take a look at it, subscribe, hit that like button, whatever, whatever. So moving along, I wanted to cover an article that I read uh, a couple of days ago. It's uh, by a publication called Inside the Games, which is a which is a website that I guess covered not I guess I know covers uh, the Olympic Games and, and different sports and things like that. And of course, they cover judo. Um, the website is InsideTheGames.biz b i z. And I in this article that I came across, um, uh, the, the authors whoever they were picked the best judoka since the Olympic debut. Uh, Tokyo in 1964 and, and the premise of the article is during the 2019 World Championships significantly held in Tokyo there was a gala dinner to celebrate 55 years since judo debuted as an Olympic sport at Tokyo in 1964 the best judoka from each Olympics were awarded in a glittering ceremony so I don't know how old this article is but it came across my uh, news feed not too long ago and I feel I felt uh, compelled to share it with all of you uh, starting with the 2016 Rio Games, uh, none other than Kayla Harrison uh, was nominated as the best judoka, which is nice to see because the IJF will not acknowledge her presence at all because she's taken up mixed martial arts. But I got to say, maybe apart from uh, Noriko Ano of Japan, she's she's got to be the, the, the greatest under 78 uh champion of all time right or at least in that discussion so it's nice to see Kayla getting her due once again in regards to judo uh for 2012 they nominated Teddy Renaire which is which comes as no surprise uh they, it's, they said 2012 and 2016 for te, uh, Teddy Renaire uh for London um in in 2012 they they nominated uh, Lucy de Costa of France for 2008 on the men's side they nominated Oli Bischoff of Germany and on the women's side, they nominated Alina Dumitru of, of uh, Romania. For 2004 in Athens, they, they nominated uh, Elias Iliadis of Greece. And uh, for Sydney in 2000 and 2004 on the women's side, they, they nominated uh, uh, Ryoko Tamura of Japan, which is no surprise there. 
For the 2000 Olympics, they nominated Kosei Onui on the men's side. Uh, in 1996 in Atlanta, they nominated uh, David Dewey of France. And on the women's side, they nominated Ula Werbrook of, Be of Belgium. For the Barcelona Olympics in 1992, they, they nominated uh, Waldemar Legion of Poland. And on the women's side, they nominated Miriam Blasco of Spain. Now, I got to say, I'm a little bit surprised they didn't nominate uh, Yoshida uh, uh, for the 1992 Olympics, but I, I, didn't, I didn't watch those Olympics. I just know about Yoshida. Uh, for 1988 in Seoul, they nominated um, Hitoshi Saito of Japan. For the 1984 Olympics, they nominated uh, Yamashita, which is no surprise. For the 1980 Olympics in Moscow, they nominated uh, Robert Van der Waal of Belgium. And they also nominated uh, Ezio Gamba of Italy, which I'm a little surprised that's going down this list that they nominated two people uh, for, for the Moscow Olympics. But again, I wasn't there. <laughs> in 1976 in Montreal, they nominated um, Haruki Umera, who is also the, uh, the president of the Kodokan, for those who may not be aware. For the uh, Munich Games in 1972, they nominated uh, Wim Ruska of the Netherlands. And finally, for the, uh, the, the Tokyo Games in 1964, they nominated Anton Giesink of the Netherlands. Now, what I thought was interesting, and, and this is apart from the nominations, is that it, it never dawned on me that there was not an, uh, an event for judo at the 1968 Olympics, which was held in Mexico City. And yeah, that, uh, that never dawned on me before. I don't, know, I, I don't know why that's never caught my attention. But yeah, that for whatever reason, there was not an Olympic event. They decided not to hold it. Um, but, but ever since 72 um, onwards, the judo has been a mainstay at the Olympics. So yeah, that was it for that. Um, again, insidethegames.biz. It's a, it's, a, it's a really nice site if you want to get uh, some more coverage on judo or, like I said, other uh, Olympic sports in... in um, you know, in pretty good detail, good you know, good writing, good good journalist, good journalism there. Excuse me. Um, something else that that also has good journalism, which I was really surprised about. I installed the um the Bleacher Report app under my um you know on, on my phone, and I'm sure it's available for both uh, iPhone and Android. I, I'm an Android guy. I've always been an Android guy. I can't stand the lockdown uh, features of an iPhone. I think it's for uh, well, I'll just keep my opinions to myself. I'm not going to cause a debate with my with my listeners over iPhone versus Android. But I'm an Android guy. I think they're superior. Uh, so the Bleacher Report app does cover judo. I was very surprised to find this when I when I installed the Bleacher Report app. It was um, different selections that you know different things that I want to follow if I wanted to follow um, you know the NBA or the NFL. Or if I want to follow video games or wrestling news, because I'm a huge uh, wrestling fan. Well, maybe not as huge as I used to be, but I still follow it. Um, but so I decided to take a look at the Olympic section. So I was like, okay, let's see what they got here. Let's see if they actually cover judo. And sure enough, they do. Sort of. Um, a lot of the articles on here are are a few years old. They The, the last thing that they have was published... Uh, Actually, it was published yesterday from uh, We Are Great Britain uh, Judo, at least their Twitter account. I guess they got a podcast, which I was not aware of, called The uh, the Final Block. Um, so I, I've, I've not listened to it yet, but that was uh, a single tweet on uh, uh, 
uh, Bleacher Report is being referenced on on there under Judo. But if you if you install the app and 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 search for Judo, you'll see some of the old stuff that they got in there. I would imagine this section would ramp up as we get closer to the Olympics. But uh, that's if we have an Olympics in 2021, which I really don't think we will. But we'll see what happens. But uh, there you go. If you're looking for extra judo content apart from judoinside.com and and uh, Inside the Biz and Judo Crazy and I don't know, me and Tatami Talk and, and uh, the original judo podcast and whatever else is out there. Neil Adams' podcast. You got just one more thing to get some judo-related content. Oh, yeah, and the judo edit out in Australia. There, there's another one there for you, too. All right, so lastly, and I, I can't believe I managed to cover everything I wanted to cover within a half hour or so, but uh, I got to tell you guys some pretty cool thing that I got a couple of days ago. I um, I got myself a new jujitsu gi and a new gear bag that is just out of this world awesome to me. Uh, so if you guys aren't aware, there's a site called uh, BJJ HQ, like BJJ headquarters or something like that. And they've every day they've got this deal on the, of the day you can install the app on, um, yeah, I would think Apple. I don't know. I, I got it on my iPhone. Uh, I got an iPhone. What are you kidding me? I got it on my Android phone. Um, and and it's a it's a, every day they have a deal of the day, and and you get some pretty good deals. So. I saw this deal for $89 where I get a black uh, Fuji Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gi and this really awesome Fuji gear bag. And I jumped all over that mainly because the gear bag itself is like 60 bucks. So I placed the order hoping I wasn't going to get ripped off. And sure enough, it came about a week later. The the, the Fuji gi uh, fit me perfectly, which again, I got to say, I, I think I've mentioned this before. I find jujitsu geese far more comfortable to wear than judo geese. It's it's like night and day for me. Now I I now I don't like doing judo uh, with people that wear jujitsu geese unless they've got a lot of uh, gap on the sleeve. But um, as far as comfort, they're they're just superior to me. I I, I wish that wasn't the case, but they just are. Uh, they're very comfortable. If any of you out there know of uh, judo geese that have the same kind of comfort at a at a reasonable price i know i sound like a commercial or something like that but um you know hit me up and let me know because i i would love to have a judo gi that fits as nicely as a jujitsu gi and um i'm not one to wear double weaves anymore uh in, in practice so if any of you know of a single weave that i can wear that that's just as comfortable as a jujitsu gi you know please let me know but um this jujitsu was 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 very comfortable, but that wasn't really why I wanted it. I wanted the bag because the bag is like a duffel bag, and it and it converts into a backpack, and it just it's got all these pockets, and I, I'm just really overwhelmed by it because the pockets have pockets, and they're all zip pockets, and 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 the zippers have this Fuji thing on them that that I can I don't I don't have to. I don't. I don't have to really go digging deep to try and find the the, the zipper handle. It's got the. I just grab the Fuji thing and just pull, and and boom, the bag is open, and um, it fits my stuff perfectly. I for years I've used a um, what they call in the military a ditty bag, and I'm not one to typically upgrade on on stuff because if if something works for me, I'll just keep using it till it wears out, and 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 my uh. 
military ditty bag is almost 30 years old and it's done the job. I've been able to fit my gi and my gear and, and all of that kind of stuff. But but this this thing is just amazing. And um, it's got this big letter, Fuji, uh, in big, bold letters on the bottom of it, which is cool because you know what? If I'm going to wear that bag as like a backpack and I'm walking through the airport or, or, or through somewhere else and somebody sees Fuji, I know that somebody in that airport or building or whatever the case may be, they will recognize that. And they may come up to me and say hello and talk about training and this type of thing. They're not going to be karate guys, I don't think. It's usually going to be grapplers. So uh, I love the bag. Um, I put pictures of it on my Instagram, which is at La Vida Judoka. Uh, I've said it many times. My Instagram is awesome. So yeah, I'm really pumped up about the bag. I wish I could bring it to a club and 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 show it off, but uh, again, until I get my COVID antibody results, um, uh, you know, training's gonna be on on a hiatus until further notice, as far as far as things are right this second. But yeah, once I get back into training, I can't wait to show off this bag. It's it's just amazing. And I'm not even advertising for Fuji. I just just wanted to share with you guys that what I got. The, the bag is just awesome. I, I, I can't say enough about the bag. I have some uh, tragic news that I wanted to share with all of you. I read on judoinside.com that uh, Dutch judoka Ilona Lukasen has passed away. Uh, according to the article, it goes, uh, Dutch uh, judoka uh, Ilona Lukasen died at the age of 23, the former Dutch champion. Under 78 kilo, uh, passed away this weekend. She took bronze at the Grand Prix in The Hague in 2018 and won the European Open in uh, Tallinn in October of last year. She also won the European Open in Glasgow in 2018. So she was definitely a, uh, a, a, a player, a notable player on the IJF World Tour. Uh, Lukasen was a part of the Dutch national team that captured a silver medal at the European Mixed Teams Championships in 2018. Uh, Lukasen was always in for some fun. Besides judo, she she was a true football fan and was renowned as a goalkeeper. As a junior, she collected eight medals at the European Cups and took four gold medals at the at the Coimbra, uh, Kaunas, uh, Gidnia, and Berlin. Uh, as a junior, she took silver uh, with the Dutch team in Zagreb in 2017 and European silver in Maribor. She captured the national title in the under 78 kilo uh, division in 2018 and took bronze last year. And here's the really tragic thing. Uh, Her parents announced that she passed away on Friday and that Ilona had difficulties finding her peace. So, you know, I think we all know what that's code for. And it's just really a shame because we have had uh, in terms of notable judoka, uh, three in the past calendar year, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, I've been very clear that uh, mental health issues are things that um, should never be taken lightly. And it, it, this can affect anybody from from any walk of life with, with you know, you, rich, poor, uh, young, old. It doesn't matter. It, it, it can affect everybody. Uh, or, or anybody. And the thing is, when it comes to judo, though, we can't eliminate the possibility of brain trauma, internal brain injuries, concussions. And we certainly can't just chalk. You know, a lot of people look point to studies and say that judo is a very safe sport and, and, and this and that. And, you know, all the all the long, long-term benefits have been well documented. But we can't just sweep mental health issues under the rug and and just 
think that these are one-offs uh, without a proper study anyway. And I'm not saying that the IJF or people in judo have swept uh, mental health issues under the rug. That's not what I'm saying, but as a j- global judo community, we I-, I think we need to be a little bit more aware that at the highest levels of competition, there could be a serious issue with concussions. I've said it many times. I can't stand it when I see athletes uh, use their head to escape throws, and, and they're using their head in unnatural ways to defend throws. And I understand that at that level, the stakes are very high. There's a lot of commitment. There's a lot of sacrifice for these athletes. And a single moment of desperation of trying to avoid getting scored on uh, an athlete can and, and oftentimes will do anything to avoid to keep that from happening, especially when there's money involved, there's sponsors, there's spots on national teams. You, you know, for you know, for recreational folks like myself, you know, I, I would never even dream of planting my head on the ground to avoid a throw in, in a competition or in Rondori or anything like that. So, but but at the highest levels, a level that I've never come close to competing. It, it, there's a lot involved, you know. A lot of these athletes uh, give up their their time, their education, their 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 families, uh, and it's all about judo. It's all about chasing the next medal. It's all about chasing uh, the points required to fulfill their Olympic dream. And 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 many of these athletes will stop at nothing to make sure that they they achieve the goals that they've set out for themselves. So I, I just. You know, because we know that, we, we can't just dismiss this judo as this fantastic, safe sport. Uh, we have to be aware of the sacrifices being made and whether or not these athletes are putting themselves in harm's way um, uh, deliberately in some cases. So just a tragic story all around. I, I hate reading it. It's like I said before, this is three high-profile athletes um lost to mental health issues and and that's just that's just a shame all right well uh well shoot i uh i managed to get this episode done uh according to my time in under under 40 minutes uh probably right around 38 minutes and that's not including any of the um any of the advertising and stuff but um yeah well that that might be a personal best for me on on shortest podcast um Hell, maybe I maybe I blabbed too much. I don't I don't know. I I really thought this this episode was gonna easily clear an hour, but um, yeah, I I covered everything that I wanted to do. Yeah, how about that? I mean, I am going to get this episode released. I'm going on vacation uh, over the next uh, couple of days, so this this episode will will release on my vacation. If you guys email me at judochopsuishow at gmail.com. I will likely be very slow to get to it, but I will get to it eventually. So with that, I hope you all have a great day. I hope you all have a great rest of the week. If you're training, train hard, stay safe out there. And until next time, I'm out. Open Gangnam Style. The after party starts in 15 minutes.
Alright, so the after party. So this is the segment, for those who may be new to listening to this segment, is um, where I like to talk about things unrelated to judo. It's typically games that I'm playing, places that I'm going, uh, things that I've watched on TV. So with that being said, the the big thing that I really wanted to cover um, was the NASA and SpaceX launch from Cape Canaveral in Florida. Now... I'm I've always had an interest in in space and and technology and and rockets and things like that and to see history made unfold on TV was just um was really just an amazing thing for me to see I I uh for everything that has been going on in this country and in the world over the past 6 months it was just really nice to see something that was historical that everybody can get behind and is just inspirational. It, it, it just it just is for me. It, it is for millions of people. And I, I don't know what it is. There's something, there's something about seeing human beings up in rockets, you know, getting launched from from you know from our planet to going 17, you know, to 25,000 miles an hour. The people risking their lives to to just push the boundaries of of uh, human exploration, you know, to, to see the United States take center stage once again in in um, launching astronauts into space, it it just, it just honestly it brought a tear to my eye. It, it just it just was a magnificent moment. I know I wasn't the only one that felt that way, and just a sheer thrill of seeing the future of space exploration and space travel just unfolding be- uh, before our eyes was just just a magnificent sight to behold and i i can't wait to see what the future holds in store uh for space travel i don't know if i'll live long enough to ever see a a, a man travel to mars a man or a woman I, it doesn't matter to me i just i love to see history like that people really pushing the, the, the limits of what people and human beings can do. And to me, as, a, as an investor, as a visionary, uh, Elon Musk is, 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 uh, is a hero. What he's doing, uh, being bold with research and technology, he, it's, it's heroic in, in, in some ways. And I think it goes to show that that government simply can't do things that the private sector can. And... I, that that rocket, you know, to come back onto a moving platform in water instead of just disposing of the rocket, you can reuse the rockets over and over again. I mean, that's that's brilliant. And I know he's he's been a punching bag for a lot of people with with some of the designs of his cars and the truck and, and the, the, the 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 glass breaking when somebody took a sledgehammer to it uh, with with the truck that he was unveiling. I mean, he's had his moments where he has not looked good in the public eye. But overall, he's kind of a real-life Tony Stark. And and we need more people like him. We need more millionaires and billionaires like him that that, that are willing to risk their own finances and risk their own public perception. And, you know, right now, at least in the United States, there isn't one single lawmaker or one person in government that, that has his kind of vision. So I really salute everybody at NASA and, and SpaceX for a successful mission. Uh, I watched the astronauts get on the International Space Station 
and just just to see them come through the hatch and 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 that spaceship that that capsule by the way is really a a, a marvelous thing and they're they the the new um the new spacesuits that they're using was was fantastic as well they look sleek they look like something out of a hollywood movie but they function so now speaking of space just to lead into another show that i've watched recently you guys have got to watch space force on netflix that show is hilarious i've never laughed so hard watching an episode as I did for episode two of Space Force. And maybe maybe it was because I, I, I probably consumed a beer earlier that night and I was just in a good mood. And that I was in tears laughing uh, on that episode. And the entire series was just fantastic. It stars uh, Steve Carell as, as kind of like this, this bumbling general of Space Force and uh, John Malkovich playing the straight man to... Uh, to, to Steve Carell, it was just it was just perfect for me. Anyway, I loved the show. I was just I I can't say enough about it. I don't want to give it away, but uh, it was just a great show. Um, I've watched a couple other things uh, over the past few weeks as well. I got into this show called uh, Big Little Lies, which is excellent. And I also finished that train wreck of a show, at least for this season. Uh, 90 Day Fiance before the 90 Days. Oh my goodness, that was probably the the best worst show ever. But I was hooked. I can't. I can't. I got to admit it. I was hooked. And so anyway, lastly, before I end this thing, um, I think I may have mentioned it earlier in the episode. I'm going to be going on vacation in 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 less than a week. I'm going down to the Florida Keys. Uh, I will. I'm not staying in Key West. I know that's a popular. Uh, destination spot but uh, I'm going to be staying uh, probably right around the middle of the Keys right around Marathon Florida we've got this um, this kind of a it's a hotel but it's kind of our own little space that's that's facing the water and uh, I'm going to be going snorkeling and um, and probably uh, either renting a boat or getting on a boat ride of some sorts basically I'm just going to hang out at the beach uh, for a week it's something that I could just drive about 45 minutes away if I want to really see, actually I could drive five minutes away and sit on a beach in Tampa Bay, but it's just not the same as it is down in the Keys. This will be um, my second trip down to the Keys. I've only been there once prior, but uh, this time it's going to be much more enjoyable than it was the last time. So yeah, I can't wait. I know I'm going to drive out to Key West, but uh, it'll just be for a day trip. The rest of the day I'm going to go snorkeling and, and that's it. I think I'm just going to hang out at the beach, read a book, uh, swim. I'm hoping I see a shark out there when I'm going snorkeling. That would be kind of cool. So yeah, it should be a lot of fun, especially, you know, like like I said, snorkeling at the Florida Barrier Reef. That that one I can't wait for. So anyway, I'm out. Take care, guys.